Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of On My Mind. I'm Shelley Griffith, and today I'm extremely pleased to have a longtime dear friend of mine, Vant Hardaway. We go back a long, long way, and he's going to be talking about a lot of very interesting things for you all. Uh, and Vant, welcome. Thank you, Shelley. Uh, good, and I may refer to you as Doc or Shelley, so whichever is fun, but... Uh, I guess I'll answer the question. Sometimes I wonder what in the world would Band Hardaway have to say <laughs> that people would want to listen to. But you just sort of direct me, and I'm pleased to be here with you today. I'm delighted, and we'll we'll get right into that. What I do normally, Van, is have you to share with our listeners uh, background, such as where you were raised, some of your early education, later education, and then we'll go from there. Okay. Well. I uh, am now in Athens, Tennessee, and that's where you and I met, but I literally was uh, born in Birmingham, Alabama. I was born in Birmingham, Alabama in 1950, so I've sort of covered about seven, uh, 70 years, 70 plus years. But I lived in Birmingham, Alabama, my family, my dad was a minister, so we uh, were in Birmingham and we moved to Athens, Tennessee when I was six years old. And so with that time, I uh, just sort of got here in a, another area. When I look at the times and think about 1950 in the areas of our Southeast regions and so on, we've crossed a number of things there in the historical concept of time. So I've lived through a lot of times there with it, but. We moved to Athens in 1956, and um, I was there with, I had at that time, one sibling, my older sister. And Doc, you and my sister were in college together. There was an exper experiment, we <laughs> call it then, uh, of where the college where you all were in undergraduate school came together and tried to see when students that were of different socioeconomic so not, not only socioeconomic, but cultural groups came together because in the South here, we didn't have a lot of times where there were African-Americans and, uh, and Caucasians going to school together because we were still in that segregated period of time, the separate but equal. Well, we came here and Yatha was in your class there at Tennessee Wesleyan College now Tennessee Western University. But I grew up in segregated school in Athens, Tennessee, if anyone ever thinks about it, and maybe we want to do some research. It was the primarily and the all, some would say black school or colored school. I've lived in the years we talk about, I've lived across a number of terminology theories. Came through being the colored era, then we got to be the black era when we were called certain terms and now black American, African American, but we were there and segregated all the black students in this county in the geographical area here went to one school and it was J.L. Cook. So from the time I was in the third grade on until almost but to my junior year, then I had an opportunity and did go into McMinn County High School because that was 1966. But 
let me go back and pick up just a little bit in my home. Mother and dad were there. We were in a, a pretty close nuclear family. We were probably uh, socioeconomically, we were probably poorer than I knew, but our parents, they worked hard to provide the best life they could for us. But I didn't know, and, and many of the people in our neighborhoods didn't know anything different. But we were there, and so we went up with my older sister, six years older than I uh, was at that time. Then later on, I had a younger brother. I was eight years older than he was, and then I had a younger sister. Now, my oldest sister is deceased now, and my uh, younger brother passed away uh, as well. So now it's just the two of us as siblings. But had an interesting life here in primarily Athens, Tennessee, and stayed there until I finished and got a bachelor's degree at Tennessee Wesleyan College. That college is still in existence, and with our families, there has now been, by, I'll say, as some people may allow me to say, because I do ministry as well, but by grace of the good Lord, there have been eight uh, other Hardaways that have graduated with at least a degree in that time. My mother did not get a chance to go to even finish uh, elementary school. And she always said, I prayed that the Lord would let me educate my children better. And so that happened. So we have now seen, I had four in my uh, immediate family as four children. And so I left the area, but now I'm, I've come back. So, <laughs> And we're tickled to have you back. And with the service now, Vant, as you finish the education, tell the folks what career path you chose initially and then from that point to now. Okay. Doc, I will say, I don't really think sometimes, and I will put this in, the, in, in my context, in my thought pattern, I don't know necessarily that I necessarily select my career path or was it just sort of something that directed me. Uh, when I finished uh, undergraduate school, I majored in history and uh, political science in my mind. And here this was 19, the late 1960s. I started college in 67, 1967. And I thought in my mind, I want to be a lawyer. <laughs> well, I really didn't know a lawyer <laughs> that looked like me. And, uh, but that was a concept. But I finished and did my education in history. And as I went through the college, and I will say to those that may hear from me, during that time, it was just about the time when the Vietnam War was going on. And I got through high school, and it was a different time when I came through because in McMinn County, we've just integrated the school. Some people prefer to say desegregated, but I'll just say we integrated my senior year. So I went into a school after I'd been in one through my junior year, but I had an opportunity to go to college, but I had to work three jobs. Now here we are today, I'm talking about in 2023, young people I'm sure looking at some other things and education is such a premium, but I worked in a grocery store and I uh, performed two jobs on the college campus. I helped run the, the mail room 
and worked in the bookstore. <laughs> so I did three of those kind of things, but because I was having to run the bookstore and the mail room, I went to school just about all year of every year and took extra school, uh, extra classes. And so after I got to about my junior year, I had most of those preferred, uh, I guess, classes taken. And so my advisor advised me and said, well, why don't you look at maybe preparing to be in education? So I thought about it. I said, well, yeah. So I went on, took education classes. And then at the same time, my senior year did student teaching in one of the local high schools in our area. So that really allowed me to get licensed and credentialed to be a state a high school teacher in the state of Tennessee. And so I got into that. So my first job that I was fortunate to get was a high school teacher in history, political science, and a coach. I had played some athletic uh, sports, football and basketball at our school my senior year. I did not play at uh, McMean County High School because I was right on the bubble going into that school and I was uh, in the class that would only been there one year and there were some different things. And today we probably don't have the time to talk about all that, but it was a challenging time for me. But after getting out of college and going there and not having to go to uh, the war, many of my uh, other students and, and my friends went into the military but I did want to go to higher ed, and so I had that opportunity. But so I went on and, and got there, and my first job, I became a teacher, high school, and a football and a basketball coach in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. There's some history behind that, so anyone listening, if you really want to, uh, to look at something, go back and look at the history of Oak Ridge, Tennessee. It had a lot of uh, things happening with the research of the 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 during the war and and some of the atomic energy things, but we got there and I had a good career of about seven years in Oak Ridge. Uh, on our football team, I was part of a staff. I was not the head coach, but part of a staff that won a state championship. So I still have memories of those <laughs> times and and uh, had a very good career that. After Oak Ridge, and I was there from 1971 to 1978, we moved to Nashville. I also, at that time, when we mentioned career, I got out of necessarily the education career and went into business and uh, went into marketing. I was in sales and sales management with a marketing company. So I did that for um, eight years and then lived in Nashville, Tennessee from 1978 until 1986. I was a sales uh, manager and then for two years of that time had my own personal uh, uh, business. I had a, an insurance agency and uh, so just got a, a, a look at some things and I learned a lot of things from that <laughs> about sometimes you can get opportunities but you have to be positioned well to do that and one of the things my uh, family uh, and I learned as we were in it, because I have two children and my wife, my wife has kept up with me and you know her as well, Doc. 
but we've been married 47 years. So anybody that put up with Van Hardaway for 47 <laughs> years and two adult children, and both of them have been in education as well. But after leaving Nashville, I came back to Athens to help. Um, and one of the things I was able to do is help my parents, I guess, finish better. They both uh, passed away now, but they were in this community. And so we were able to just get a chance to do the things we needed to do here. So that's been there. So that's just a little bit about my career. So education and then uh, marketing and sales and more management kind of situations. But the last part of that, I came back into education and in education, did teach again, did finish uh, and move to administration, high school administration, uh, at the management at the central office level of transportation attendance. And my last position was supervisor of safety and diversity in McMinn County Schools with the superintendent. And it was right after some of the challenges. So I've seen a number of things to occur in those years. Absolutely. So many changes that you and I both have seen, Van, over these years. And the other things that you have been so blessed to do for our community as well, uh, one thing that that uh, my wife and I were able to help briefly on and share with our audience uh, the the issues of CASA and, and kind of define that for the folks who don't know and what you've been able to do for the uh, children of our area that, that are in such great need. When you mention an agency called CASA, and that is an acronym, and it stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates, C-A-S-A. And I got involved in CASA because there have been a number of opportunities that I've had in our community to serve maybe in uh, on board positions or as advisors to certain agencies. And I was really prepared, I guess, to maybe be on the CASA board because that area works with children and families that are dealing with the foster care issues. Homes sometimes are, are, are broken up and the children are there needing someone to, to help sort of bring some stability to that. But that agency works directly with the uh, juvenile courts, and it has to be appointed by the magistrate or the juvenile judge. So uh, just seeking to help that agency and our, the executive director of that agency was really where I was hoping to, or just planning to maybe be a board member, asked me to serve. And so for about five years now, that's after retiring for 38 years in a, uh, a, a position in education. I, I served in education, and I was also bivocational that I sensed a call to work in ministry in churches. So I had been a pastor of the church in our general area. The last one was for 19 and a half years in the county with us, but I started working with the agency at CASA as being a juvenile uh, mentor, uh, the, the, the mentor for the, uh, as an advocate helping children. 
and most of mine were older children because I had served as in, in administration with high school and some of the others. And I would say right now, there are a lot of youngsters that sometimes because of areas maybe that don't fit real good in the home environment or youngsters maybe get off track just a little bit, we get a chance to mentor and maybe sort of help them develop and, and pull those things together. So that's the role I'm still somewhat doing right now is the mentoring supervisor for the McMean County uh, CASA agency. Uh, so we're working in that. And I, one of the things I guess I'd say with that, much like education, um, Doc, I can remember once while doing some of my uh, educational programs, and over the years I've been fortunate, yes, to get some uh, additional degrees and certain things, but I can remember taking one of the, the assessments to see where you're geared, geared towards in career and work and stuff. It seems like I was always geared towards service. Mm -hmm. So CASA is a service organization. I would say education, service organization, church and ministry, service uh, type uh, career. So it seems like there's been that. And I guess I sense that right now as we going in the area here, there may be some people that, and you and I both have served and worked with those to say there's a need for um, service or help reaching out to broaden some other people's lives. It may not always be, and I've learned this, may not always been the best economical and uh, for my salary, but it's been a service or a situation. And while I hadn't done missionary work abroad, I've done a lot of missionary type activities locally in, in, in our uh, local area and in our nation. Absolutely. And and I think that's a great point when you bring that up, Anthony, for our listeners, that service to uh, our fellow citizens is key wherever you are. Uh, the standard bloom where you're planted uh, makes good sense. And Vant has done a marvelous job through his lifetime doing these different areas. Uh, I think there's no greater reward that we get, and some of us call it a warm fuzzy, I guess, <laughs> that you've you've paid something forward, but it's just remarkable as to what you have been able to do uh, in this service realm. I think that uh, that as we look at at organizations like CASA and others, then uh, then you've had that experience, I've had that, that we hope that we are passing this on to the younger citizens, so they will also join in and do service and, and pay that forward. Now, in your educational career, we'll shift gears just a moment, what did you find the most rewarding for you during the, the educational years prior to retirement? One of the things I guess I would say is one of the things that was most uh, rewarding as well as fulfilling is helping young people, helping sort of maybe broaden and, 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 and sort of frame maybe their future. I am fortunate, and even right now, when you get to be 70-plus years of age, Doc, I, I know we can talk about that. <laughs> and having been born in 1950, and I'm still here and still active, I still see youngsters that 
tended to interface with me. And I was a teacher in middle school. I started both in senior high and I did high school and then other areas in, in um, secondary uh, education when I got into the central office or administrative areas and have a number of things that I tended to do. But the one area is I still have relationships with a number of people. And so many of them, I say, they endured me in that <laughs> career, but they still speak to me. I was yes. just with some parents not too long ago. And I would say to you, you're being very generous when you say uh, being uh, one that's done a marvelous job. I don't know, but I was fortunate to be able to have one of your daughters mm -hmm. as a teacher and we still have good relationships. <laughs> so I think with that, they can see me as in a role as a teacher, instructor, and a friend to bridge that and bring them on. So I feel better now when I can go back and think about seeing those, many of them that I've seen do well in their life. Here again, as I go back through it, and think about from the time I was born, I have passed through the historical times that we think about when we were in that, that area called segregation and we were in that time and I being a history teacher, separate sometimes uh, situations, but equal. They were not always that way, but we went through and tended to go through some uh, difficult times. And so I was able to bring through those then we get to a situation where all cultures are there and together. And as we talk today, Doc, I would say right now, one of the greatest challenges, and I share that with youngsters now, even as we talk to them, whether they're in school, whether they're in community agencies or groups that I work with, the ability to begin to come together see where we are, evaluate where we are, and develop a plan to develop for themselves personally, as well as others that are in their family. Many of them now, I can say I have been in, in, in relating to families in a small community like where we live, I can go back three generations. I can remember parents and now students that I interfaced with but now they're parents, and I still have that mm -hmm. opportunity. So it brings that in the challenge that, you know, when I talk to you today, just like I would, and if anyone does happen to listen and to hear what we're saying, the challenge now is that our times have made us be so much more varied. People, not only of different cultures, but of different socioeconomic groups, those that are part of the underserved and underrepresented, now we have to reach to pull others together. And many are even from other nations. We have major challenges right now in the times we're living in. And when you've lived it from being on the maybe not so well prepared and tended to get to where you can get stabilized, one of the greatest things I'd say I do within the mentoring role, whether it's with CASA or whether it's being people that I work with to community and church groups, help youngsters develop a plan, look at where they are, 
and establish some things that we can do to, to prepare themselves and for those that they're connected with. Whatever level of their family, let's set a plan and decide how will I help those that I'm with be better or more fulfilled and then interact with other people. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing we're having to now broaden and help each other feel um, as though we're valued. You're good people. You're okay. There was a, a book that I read, and I won't necessarily go on and say that, but when you can look at yourself, even though one may have gone through difficult times, but if you can say, I'm okay, mm-hmm. then when you can feel good about being okay, you can really reach to some others and help them be a little bit better okay. Establish where we are and, and, and sort of brighten the corners where we are. As I said, you've been very generous saying I've done a good job. I don't know that, but it's a privilege for me to sort of help those that I'm with. And whoever they are, however they are, let them know that we have value. And I am going to challenge all of us. If anyone hears something, I guess I would ask you to look at yourself and say, how can I help someone else? How can I reach even if maybe I've made a step further, can I reach back and pull somebody else in? Today in our society, we need people to become intentional about helping stabilize some others in their endeavors and how they go. So that has helped me, and I think addressing that question, how have I been done? If I've helped one person, then I can say my living maybe has not been in vain. Absolutely. I think that's an excellent point, Matt. The, uh, the, the idea that we can help others to learn, I love the way you put that, uh, come together, evaluate, evaluate where you are at that point in your life and the plan, develop a plan. Don't just kind of randomly carry them off the walls deciding this is going to occur because you had a plan, I had a plan, most of our friends have that, that we've watched, and that really leads to the future results that, that make the most sense. And great point about being able to do that uh, and, and to have leaders like yourself who can guide people in that, that experience. And you're right, you and I are uh, you know, and looking at some rearview mirror stuff over the years, but we have learned by some mistakes we could have made. We've also learned by other mentors for us, and and as we pass that forward, I try to do this as you have uh, in the medical realm, looking at the changes. Can I help uh, a younger physician learn to develop their own way, uh, just as you've done? And, uh, and sometimes, yes, we have to admit it's a little difficult depending on whether they think we are, what, over the hill maybe? <laughs> and, yes. and sometimes we look at it and say, but maybe we're okay. Now, as you look at, at uh, these situations, uh, what, uh, what can you say to some of these youngsters other than this beautiful statement about developing a plan some some youngster comes to you and says, please, Mr. Hardaway, I need some guidance uh, in my life. Sit with me one-on-one, and, and how are you going to help that youngster 
begin to see the light, if you will, when they seem to be so resistant to change? How, how do you approach that one-on-one? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's come in a number of ways, and I'll say that is a, a challenge. And again, we have changed. Our world has changed in the time I've lived. So we have to try to look at that. But one of the things that I think is, is, is very, very urgent to help people see where we are, establish relationships, and in our community, Doc, we reach to other resources. There are some resources that we have where people would be willing to help, to help minister, to help maybe let some people shadow them. But the other areas that I think with the two of us, as we sit here and talk today, as we've shared, we may have come through from various points in our society for a lot of reasons, whether it be because of how our cultures have been and so on, then we can help people see how we can pull those together. And I think one of the things that for me is most important is to take it serious and make a commitment that I would try to help this person put it in some kind of sequence, maybe one, two, three. Don't try to get it all at one time. You gave a good example of how we stop it, sort of look at even as we progress and look backwards. Someone tells me often that you can look at driving a car, the rear view mirror is a lot smaller than the windshield. <laughs> so see that windshield out there and mm-hmm. it gives us a great deal of opportunity, but look in the rear view mirror and see some of the things we've had to do. And the one comment that I think I've learned and someone taught me there were some people that gave me an opportunity and uh, uh, just sort of modeled and mentored me and to say, you can't fix it all at one time, but how do you eat that elephant? And that's an example and an acronym I'll say and a good example, take it one bite at a time. Exactly. Get a small bite. And so I'm just going to say anyone, if do you hear me, ask yourself the question, who might I help? whether it's one, two, or three at a time, and be intentional and say, I'm going to sort of try to brighten the corner a little bit where I am. Absolutely. Wonderful, wonderful statement. And let me add that that uh, my daughter, Kara, absolutely adores you, and she said, please say hi now on the program. So you've gotten that, and, and uh, she always enjoys visiting with you whenever she can get in here. But... Van, it's been a total delight to have you, and I will be getting you back because we have other things to to talk about in the future. And as as our lives progress, and we we listen and we we serve. But thank you so so much for being with me today. Thank you for this opportunity. And anybody I see, I may not know you as I see you, but thank you for being one and help broaden our world. Appreciate that. And folks, if you have any questions, uh, then all you do is email me at shellgriff, that's S-H-E-L-G-R-I-F, at gmail.com. I'll be happy to pass these on to Vant. And as I say, I want him in a future program, and we can answer a number of those questions. And as I say to all of you every time, please have a safe and healthy day, and I'll see you further up the road.